Thank you so much to Gareth Cliff and the team back again on Monday. Hey, they've been hanging out at Ogilvy the entire morning. What a cool vibe. Uh, this is for Social Media Week. I went along to Social Media Week uh, this week, and I must say, hugely, hugely impressed. Well done to uh, Sherry Biting and her entire team. It is flippin' professional what's going on out there. And if you haven't checked it out, it is the last day today. Go into Bramfontein. It's happening at the Witz Theatre. And check out some of the cool, cool stuff happening. Now, with just under 4 million people in South Africa who suffer from type 2 diabetes. Two in three South Africans are overweight or obese. That's 66% of our population. We have double the amount of heart attacks and diabetes cases uh, than the United States, which is very, very scary. Uh, Prof Tim Noakes has been trying to address this problem, but seems to have come under huge, huge fire. His banting diet has caused what feels more like a religious war than a healthy eating plan. Today we find out what exactly banting is, what's all the buzz about, what are the critics saying, and who is inevitably right. Let's get you going on your Friday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've just tuned in, let us know your thoughts on banting, on diets, on food, uh, 0861555189. Of course, you can tweet us as well, at Yebo underscore Levy. My name is Andrew Levy, and this is how we do it on Fridays comments about dieting lately. Fatty meats and no carbohydrates, you will lose weight. Enter a 15 kilo lighter Tim Noakes. All that fat is perfect. Tim forgot his shoes, man. He's running on broken glass and bare feet. My father died of diabetes and his brother as well. And it's clearly come right through to me. The public needs to look at the evidence and make the decisions based on that. You exclude anyone who thinks an alternatively. You demonize them. The Noakes diet is actually dangerous. Irresponsible. He's running on a broken glass with his buttocks and his hands. Those recommendations at a public level. Blood sugar issues. Don't consult a caveman. Becoming unhealthy in the longer term. You are putting a population at risk. The problem with this diet is that although you lose weight, it's not very healthy for you long term. There's no question that we're reaching a tipping point. And I think that we're going to move away from the exclusive high-carbohydrate diets. People are realizing it's not working. You can hear how polarized everyone is. It's absolutely unbelievable. Well, uh, speaking to us about the Banting diet and all things uh, Banting and uh, low carbs, high fat is Professor Tim Noakes. He's in Cape Town this morning. Uh, Professor, good morning to you. Thank you. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for the invite. Thank you so much for coming in. Now, we've had a few chats uh, over over the last few years. You've been at the forefront of, of sports science and specifically nutrition for the best part of your life. Why did you choose sports science? Well, originally because I was such a bad athlete. <laughs> I wanted to understand why I was so pathetic. You didn't and think that was just genes, eh? Of the, of, the, of the great exercise scientists. If they'd been good athletes, they wouldn't have bothered because they would have known. And I had to try and find out. So that was really... But I think it's more than that. Of course, I'm being flippant. Uh, I really saw that sports science is important for a nation's health because you want, firstly, people to be healthy through sport, but you also want them to perform well. And so when we developed the Sports Science Institute in Cape Town, the goal was to improve the quality of our performances on the international stage and in that way to make South Africans proud of themselves. So there's a, there's a twofold focus on the wellness of the people and also that we can be competitive in sport. 
Right, if you've just joined Cliff Central, we are speaking to Professor Tim Noakes about banting. If you have any thoughts, 0861-555-189. Uh, we're going to be tweeting uh, from uh, at Yebo underscore Levy, all sorts of articles for and against the, the Tim Noakes, uh, the diet, um, as well as eating plan. Now, Tim, as a 27-year-old, uh, why were you so brash as to read a few Scandinavian studies and then think that sugar in the form of carbs was the best thing that ever happened to you? Fabulous, fabulous question. Because at 27-year-old, I didn't have a clue about science. I, I just completed my medical training, and I was just getting into science. And I, in my medical training, this work had come out, and it, it had burst on the scene. And it was fabulous, big science, great scientists from Scandinavia, they were the gods of exercise science. And they had shown that if you measured the amount of glycogen or carbohydrate in the muscles of athletes and then you had them exercise, those who started with the more glycogen did better. And I hadn't a clue. I was just bought, I bought in because everyone else was saying that. But when we went back 10 years, 15, 20 years later and looked at the original data, it was appalling. The clinical trials were terrible. So they didn't actually show that. And in fact, in, to, to show you how bad it is, this is called groupthink. You see, if everyone thinks that way, there's no benefit for not thinking that way. So if I went to an international conference when I was 28 and said, guys, you're wrong, I would have got excommunicated as a scientist. But it took me many years. And in 2000, we did the first world first study where we carbohydrate-loaded people. And then we also pretended to carbohydrate-load them by giving them a false carbohydrate. It wasn't. It tasted sweet but it had no carbohydrate in it. And then we tested the over 100-kilometer time trial in the laboratory, a cycling time trial, and there was absolutely no difference whatsoever between the two groups. And it's the first placebo-controlled trial. You see, the problem is that if you do a trial and you think that carbohydrate loading works and the athletes think that they, it works and they know when they're carbohydrate loading, they will perform better because of the belief system. When we took away the belief system, there was absolutely no difference. Well, that's the now, problem, isn't it? Tim, isn't, sorry to interrupt. And I completely ignored the data. We said, oh, we must be wrong. There's something wrong with the data. Well, isn't that the problem, though, Tim? Like, you look at all these clinical trials, and uh, there's been a lot of discussions lately, and we'll get on to what the, the Heart and the Diabetes Foundation uh, did a trial as well. But these clinical trials are really hit and miss, and everyone's talking from the same songbook. No one wants to do new trials because, obviously, they're quite expensive. And the only ones who are funding trials are people that obviously uh, want uh, a certain bias in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. The industry is the only people who have the money to do this, this unrefi- unrestrained research. And they will only look at the research that will improve the sales of their product. They're in business. They're not there to disprove their products. They're there to prove them. And I was chatting with some guys yesterday who do a lot of research for companies. And they were saying, you know, we absolutely cannot do anything but what's on the script because that's what the company has said we may test because they're terrified that if they add one extra thing and it proves wrong, then they have to explain what went wrong. So they will only ever do research that promotes their cause. You're absolutely correct. Now, there's an amazing... That's why we need altruists to get out there and fund the opposite stories or or un unregulated theory stories which, where there's no outcome determined, where the, where the outcome must be what really happens. You like, um, you like doing what we're doing, unradio, undieting it sounds like. But there's an amazing story of you eating your carbs, going for a run, 
and then reading your spam mail and never touching carbs again. I mean, that's good enough reason for me never to never to check my spam mail because all there is there is possibilities of me not eating carbs and penis enlargements. What what happened? What went down? Well, it, it was a really funny story because the night before I'd written the book, finished writing the book called Waterlog, which was my expose of the sports drink industry and how they used science and scientists to manipulate our understanding of nutrition during exercise, but particularly fluid replacement during exercise. And they developed this bogus science of nutrition, or sorry, science of sports hydration. And there is no science of sports hydration. All you have to know is drink to thirst, and that's it. That's all you need to know. But they had spent millions of dollars developing this, this scam theory. And I disproved them, and I'd written, a, I'd written this book over 30 years. So anyway, I sent it off to the publishers, and that night, in the middle of the night, my brain said, get up tomorrow morning and go and run, and don't stop running for the rest of your life. And that was the first time I'd had that message for about 10 years. So I got up, had a terrible run, came home, opened my emails, and there was an advert for the book called The New Atkins for the New You. And it said, lose eight, six kilograms in six weeks without hunger. And that was the key, because it said, without hunger. And I said, but that's bogus. You can't lose weight without hunger. I know. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a scientist. I'm a nutritionist. I know all these things. You've got to have hunger if you want to lose weight. And then I noticed it was the, the scientists were three highly well-known scientists, Westman, Silic, uh, Westman, Berlick, and Finney. And so I said, there's a paradox here. How can these scientists be linked to Atkins, who was the killer? He told us to eat saturated fat. He was the killer. I said, I've got to find out. So I went to the, the bookshop, bought the book. It was the last copy in Cape Town, came home, read it, and in two hours I knew there's something going on here. We've been misled on all the information. I'm a scientist, and I didn't know anything about all the science there had been on low-carbohydrate diets. And I said, that's it. I'm an experiment, and I did. And the experiment was so successful that eventually it came out. But I did not plan to lead any revolution. After a year, I had benefited so much. People found out. They saw I'd lost buckets of weight. I was healthier. I was running well. And they would start asking questions, and then the media got involved and asked exactly the question you asked, how could you go from carb loading to carb avoidance? And then it became a national issue. And then, and then of course, the book appeared, and then that just, just took the story to another level. Well, it must have been pretty hard, uh, you you know, being such an advocate. I mean, you're, you're an incredibly extroverted character. You're boisterous. People, you know, flock towards you whenever you say anything. Tim Noakes said it. It must be true. And uh, you'd been saying, you know, eat, eat pasta before you run the comrades so often. It must have been incredibly difficult to actually go, flip, guys. I'm actually completely and utterly wrong here. Um, I've got it wrong. And, and this is what, what, what I think is, the, is yeah. the answer now. Your first public appearance when you did that, like, what, were you go- what was the mindset? What were you going through? You know, it's really interesting, Andrew, when you ask that question, but I hope that I'm an honest person, and I never thought of the consequences. All I knew was that my advice had given me type 2 diabetes. That's what I knew. And I knew that my father had died from the disease, and he'd eaten a high-carbohydrate diet in his later life, and that that had damaged his health. And I, I really had, you know, do I want on my conscience the fact that I promoted an idea which I knew, when I knew it was wrong, and I knew it would harm people. Could I live with that? And that was the, that was the reason for changing. And it, I never thought of the consequences. I said, I must just be honest. 
I'm not, it's my job as a medical doctor to tell people what I believe. And if I believe that a carbohydrate, the high carbohydrate diet is bad for you and I hide it because I'm scared of reversing my opinion, then I'm not being true to myself. And that is a disgrace. And I can't live with myself. So it was a question of could I live with myself or could I live with the outcome? And I've, I've been very happy to live with the outcome. <laughs> All right. Even though, even though there have been moments when I've, uh, it's been a bit tough. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're if you've just joined the show, welcome to it. It's Friday on cliffcentral.com. My name is Andrew Levy. Uh, welcome to the Conza Show. Uh, we're, t- we're speaking to uh, the man himself, Professor Tim Noakes. He's down in Cape Town. He is the banting revolution crazy. Um, and there's been a lot of critics, a lot of for. It's, it's like a religious war out there. Um, you know, on Twitter, you just have to put in banting and you'll see it all over the place. But uh, if you have, if you've been on the banting diet, give us a call. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. Or hit us up on Twitter at Yebo underscore Levy or at CliffCentral.com. Tell us your thoughts, your experiences. We want to hear from you. We want to open the lines and uh, let you speak to to Tim. Ask uh, your questions as well. Tim, let's talk about this real meal revolution: the low carbs, high fat. Um, when did you do your research, and, and I suppose what was the most interesting thing from that research? Well, I think there, there are a whole couple of points. Firstly, it began when I read the new Atkins for the new year, and I came across Dr. Westman, Vinnie, and Solak, who I knew had done research on high-fat diets, but I didn't realize that they'd done all this work on, on health, and particularly in diabetes and insulin resistance using the low-carb diet. I was absolutely, completely, utterly ignorant of that. And then I started reading their work and realizing, my goodness, there was this whole bunch of evidence that I'd, that I'd missed. And the next was I read Gary Taubes' book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, which was the first to start questioning the science behind the low-fat diet, the fact that we changed our diets in 1977 and started promoting high-carbohydrate, low-fat diets. And then I saw all the junk science behind that. And then that again raised the question. And then more recently... All right, well, we seem to have lost, uh, we've seemed to have lost him there. We'll try to get him back on the line. 0861555189. Lots of people phoning in, uh, about this and, and getting us on Twitter as well, talking about their experiences on banting. Uh, Craig is in Johannesburg. Craig, good morning to you. Tell me a little bit about your, your banting experience. Have, have you been a long-term banter? Um, I, uh, I went to one of those tools. Craig, Craig, the line is the line is really bad. I'm going to put you back to our producers, and uh, we're going to try and get you back on the line, um, just so that we can uh, try and understand exactly what uh, what he was trying to say. Very, very interesting debate on banting. Uh, amazing discussion on Twitter about if this high fat, low carbs. It's called LCHF. If you want to look it up on Google. Uh, is actually effective. A lot of people saying it's absolutely rubbish. It's not effective at all. We're going to be speaking to Dr. Celeste Nordia. She's from uh, the University of Stellenbosch. She just recently uh, published a report which uh, put uh, a lot of dispute on uh, Tim Noakes' lap around his his banting diet. We'll also be speaking to Dr. Vash Mungal Singh. She is the CEO of the Heart and Diabetes Foundation in South Africa. Let's see if we can try these guys again and see who comes up. Um, right. Who's out? Who's out there? Tim, are you there? Hello, hello, Craig. Yeah. I'm back again. 
Oh, brilliant. There you go, Tim. <laughs> Fantastic. We've got a bit of a gremlin in the, the telephone lines. We've been speaking to uh, Craig. He wanted to ask you a few questions. We'll try to get him back on the line. Just to give me a little sense, uh, Tim, why are people so angry regarding this Banting diet? Well, I think especially people who aren't prepared to try it. I think really you need to try it and see if it works for you. Uh, secondly, I think there's a concern that we've been misled, and how could I have been misled? That's, that's the point. You know, I, as an individual, I get angry because someone else is showing that I've been misled all this time, and I believe these people. And then thirdly, there's no question of commercial interest, because this really does, does go to the heart of what, what we practice in medicine and goes to the heart of industry and the, the fake foods that we're eating and the pharmaceutical industry trying to make us well by giving us medications, whereas, in fact, the real cause is what we're eating. And if we take out what we're eating and get better, then there's no more need for all these drugs. So those are some of the reasons. And then there's egos, of course, you know, academic egos. If a person spends his life saying X and then come, someone comes along and says, no, it's actually the opposite, that, that's very threatening, very difficult to change. So, so there's a combination of everything. Hello? Yeah, we're still here, Tim, so we just listened okay. to you at the moment. <laughs> carry on, carry on, please. So, I mean, the big thing is that a lot of people are talking around, you know, n- nutritionists specifically. You know, they come up and they say, I'm a trained nutritionist. I've been doing this for years, and I believe in X. And you, you ask them, why is Banting wrong? And they go, no, it's just wrong. We don't know the results of it. There, There is a bit of a concern, and maybe you can recognize that that fact as well, that I mean, this has just been going for your your path, and this has been going for just a short time. I know Mr. Banting himself has been going for forever, but um, in terms of results for future, long term results, is there a worry around this idea of fat causing heart disease? Yeah, that's a great question because no one asks the opposite question. What is the evidence that the low fat diet we've been eating for the last forty years has made us healthy? And, you know, that is the truth hiding in broad daylight, that what we are doing today is killing us. We're getting more diabetes, more obesity than ever. We've got dementias up. All the autoimmune diseases are increasing. And so we say, it can't be the diet. You see, it must be something else. So for any person who tells me that we know that a low-fat diet is healthy, I say, where's the evidence? And when you read Nina Teichel's book, uh, the big fat surprise, you find there is no evidence that a low-fat diet is healthy for you. So unfortunately, if people ask me for my evidence, I'd say, fine, but where's your evidence? And the evidence is all around us that we are much less healthy today than we were 40 years ago. When I was at school in 1966, matriculated, there was one boy in our class who was a beast, one. Today, you go to the classes and you see, and the girls, the same applied to the girls. The obesity was very, very uncommon. Diabetes was uncommon. Today, we are drowning in obesity and drowning in, obesity, in diabetes. And people say, oh, it can't be the diet. It must be something else. But the biggest thing that has changed is the diet. So that's point one. Point two is this diet, the high-fat, high-protein, higher-protein diet, or I should say moderate-protein, higher-fat diet, is the one humans have been eating for three million years. If it was going to kill us, we wouldn't be human. We wouldn't be around today. All right, I've got I've got a few questions around that that exact point. So uh, I want to just get some some people's opinions as well. We've got uh, Craig who's back on the line. He'll tell us a little bit about his uh, 
uh, his banting experience. We've also got uh, people answering us on Twitter at Yebo underscore Levy. Check out all the articles that are going up. Ninaldo says, um, Tim Noakes, it's working for me. I have lots more energy. I run 5Ks in under 20 minutes, where before I was never able to do that. Wow. That is an exceptional run. On WeChat, Sarah says, my husband and I started with banting since May, and we find it's the best and most effective way of living healthily. So lots of comments coming through. Let us know what yours are. 0861-555-189. We've got Craig on the line again. Let's see if his line is a little better today. Craig, uh, are you there? Yes, yes, I'm here, I'm here. Brilliant. Tell us about your banting experience. Yeah, I uh, I, I went to one of Tim's talks, I think, in January, uh, and I, I went in with a very open mind. I didn't know much about it. Um, and by the time I walked out, uh, I was very, very, uh, I was like, really understood what he was saying. You know, uh, his talk made a lot of sense, and I tried it. Uh, and I had incredible results on it. I lost about 13 kilos in about two wow. months. I, I lost weight that I never even thought was possible to lose. I, I wasn't radically overweight, but I was probably carrying like 10 kgs extra. The weight went off in a way that was totally mystifying to me. Um found the diet quite easy to stick to. Uh, yeah, it gave me a lot more energy. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the resistance to this thing is 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 is, is people who don't actually know the science behind it, um, and if they read if they start reading on that, the arguments are pretty compelling. I, I think Tim's absolutely right when he says the evidence is right in front of us. People are not healthy, and people are obese, and people are filled with disease, and it, of course it's got to come from the diet. Now, let me just ask you something, um, Craig, because often yeah. uh, a lot of people get very scared of, of the word diet because it means they're going to be hungry. It means that they're mm, going to eat mm. just lettuce leaves the whole time. Have you found that with uh, with banting that, that you're hungry and that you're eating things that you don't want to eat? No. In fact, it's the, it's the opposite with banting because it actually keeps you less hungry for longer. So uh, because your body is using the fat that you eat uh, – uh, as energy, you you find that uh, particularly like in the morning, you're not hungry, and if you are, you chaff you nuts, uh, but definitely not. And and I also think it's a it's a yeah maybe diet is the wrong word, but it's a it's a way of eating that suits men because men actually like uh, high fat diets, you know. So like if you buy his book, I mean, and I've cooked probably fifty recipes from the book. They're all delicious. You know, you're never sitting there going, "Geez, these lettuce leaves are, are running a bit thin." You know, uh, not at all. You know, you're trying stuff that is that that tastes good, um, and and the results are, are are hard to argue with. You know, and 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 the last thing I want to say is that you know this idea of weight loss. Everybody often talks about this idea of, oh, you're trying to lose weight. You're trying to, like, it's like some sort of aesthetic idea, you know, that I'm, oh, I want to look thinner. Mm. Weight loss is a fundamental uh, step towards better health. When you're carrying less weight, your body's under less pressure. So, so, so all you're seeing is, uh, you, you're telling me that that's not mirrored inside your body, that when you, you know, I, I was looking at myself in the mirror, I hadn't looked like that since I was, 20 years old and I'm now in my late 40s you know I, I've tried I've tried lots of different things to lose weight uh, over the years and some of them have been but but two or three kilos not 13 yeah 
You know Absolutely. what I mean? But it's not just about like, uh, oh, I lost weight. Look, I've got, you know, my, 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 I wear smaller size jeans. It's that uh, if I exercise now, I feel better. I'm lighter on my feet. You know, all of that stuff. Awesome. Craig, thank you so much for, for phoning in. We really appreciate it. And you can see how religious he is regarding uh, losing weight and uh, keeping to this, uh, to this diet. Uh, lots of comments about banting. If you've just joined the show, welcome to it. It's cliffcentral.com on Fridays. My name is Andrew Levy. Uh, we're speaking about diets, specifically this low-carb, high-fat and uh, the banting, the real meal revolution by Professor Tim Noakes. He's with us the entire show uh, from 9 to 10. If you do have questions, 0861555189. Lots of comments coming through on WeChat and Twitter. At Sarah says, I'm a fitness freak and it didn't lose, I didn't lose anything. Uh, it didn't seem to work for me. Uh, Professor, have you found that um, with regards to the, the idea of men losing a lot of weight, but women not so much losing losing the weight that um, it works for men and not for women. Men seem to be better on this plan, eating plan. And again, Craig, thank you for pointing. It's not a diet. This is the way you live. It's not, it's got nothing to do with dieting. It's the way you live your life and the, what, the food that you eat. There are many women who lose a lot of weight on this eating plan, but women seem to be more resistant to losing weight. And I think partly the reason is that many women have tried other diets and they've been on starvation diets before, and they've modified their brain's response to the diet in a bad way. Because the key is if you want to lose weight, you have to eat less calories. And this is a low-calorie, no-hunger diet. You take away hunger and you eat less calories. If you don't eat less calories, you will not lose weight. But if you don't lose eat less calories, it's because the brain is not getting the right messaging from your body. And we have to fix that up in some way. And I'm not sure we are fully knowledgeable how we do that, but there are definitely some people who are resistant to losing weight. And in fact, some people put on weight on this eating plan. However, I would still argue that they are probably benefiting from the diet because their health markers would improve, particularly if they were pre-diabetic or insulin resistant. Well, that's exactly what you were. We're gonna we're gonna speak to we're gonna keep you on the line, uh, Professor Noakes, and just keep listening because uh, we're gonna be speaking to a whole bunch of 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 the other side of this argument. Uh, Dr. Vash Mungal Singh will be up next. She's the CEO of the Heart and Stroke Foundation for South Africa. She has some very very interesting comments coming through just after this. Just to live a life.
Very cool song on Cliff Central. Friday morning, just to get you in the mood, it is the weekend coming up. We are speaking about uh, uh, banting and diets and all sorts. Of course, there's big rugby, big football on the go this weekend. So if you are going to get in front of the TV, uh, then the best thing would be to to only eat burevos, druvos, biltong, and have one lettuce leaf, apparently, according to according to Tim Tim Noakes there. Um, what are your thoughts? 0861-555-189. Um, is the number to call, uh, as well as at Yebel underscore Levy. We've posted a really interesting article on Time magazine about butter and the age-old debate of butter itself. You've got to check it out. It is super, super interesting. We've got uh, Professor Tim Noakes. He's online with us the entire, entire uh, one hour of the show. Um, and we'll be talking to a few other people as well, including uh, Dr. Celeste Nordier. Now, this was very, very interesting. She wrote uh, an article uh, about the effects of banting low-carbs, high-fat diet versus a balanced diet. We'll find out exactly what a balanced diet is, um, and we'll get uh, a little bit more information on that as well. Of course, if you have comments, give them through. Uh, We are here for the next hour. Uh, Professor Tim Noakes is with us. He's been with us the whole show. Uh, Professor, there's a lot of criticism uh, from a lot of different angles and a lot of different people around your banting diet, is there any criticism that you think is worthwhile investigating further? Tim, are you there? Okay, we seem to have lost Tim Noakes. He's uh, on the line from Cape Town. It's always difficult when you're dealing with Cape Town. You know, Cape Townians, they're always difficult. Um, but I think that... There has been some some interesting things around cholesterol and the idea of high fat uh, equaling cholesterol. A really fascinating quote came up from Gary Tubbs. Now, he's been uh, the expert uh, on uh, eating and dieting for, for a long, long time. He, he recently uh, released uh, this, this uh, note saying, it's really eating is really just a system of personal beliefs and untested hypotheses given a veneer of scientific respectability when in actual fact, it's more like a religion, replete with irrational fanatics, money-making frauds, and devout lemming-like followers. <laughs> I mean, you just heard from Craig as well, uh, who was on the line telling us about his his uh, experience with uh, with banting, and you can see that d- devout religious kind of feel coming through him. Uh, Professor, are you there? Yes, I'm back on. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, just there's been a lot of critics. I was saying a little bit earlier. Are any of them? Has any of them raised a point that you think, hmm, maybe we should investigate that? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Long-term data. We need long-term data. But by the same token, we need long-term data for low-fat diets. And what we have to understand is that there, there has never been a low-fat trial that has shown a benefit. So we have to start acknowledging that. There is one issue that some people on this diet, their small, dense LDL cholesterol particles go up. And we, in my opinion, cholesterol is not the cause of heart disease. It's the small, dense LDL cholesterol particles, which are a measure that your cholesterol metabolism, metabolism is abnormal. So you, there's no one test in the blood that you can say you've got abnormal cholesterol metabolism, except perhaps the small, dense LDL particles. And in some people, they go up. And that is not a good sign, in my opinion. But you have to balance that up against a person whose blood pressure comes down, their glucose comes down, their, t- their triglycerides go down dramatically, the HDL cholesterol goes up. So everything else is pointing to a hugely beneficial effect. 
But the only small thing is that the small dense LDL particles have gone up, and that we don't generally think that's a good idea. And we need to research that and answer it. But that's, that's hard science. It's not, it's not just bogus that, oh, because you took this, your cholesterol went up and you're going to drop dead of a heart attack tomorrow. That is, that is, there's simply no evidence for that at all. Now, a lot of people are, are, have been worried, and, and when I've been speaking to, to um, different people throughout the week, talking to them about, I'm doing this show, I'm banting, a lot of them talk about the fact that healthy eating um, is quite expensive. And uh, specifically in the banting side of things, if you want to bant properly, you need to be able to have the right nuts, the almonds that are expensive. Um, but, but you seem to have come up with a way in which to make banting cheap. Take us through that. Yeah, the, the, the three most healthy foods for you are liver, sardines, and eggs. Those are the three most nutrient-dense foods in the world, and none of them is very expensive. But, I mean, obviously, that it wouldn't be great to just eat those three foods every day for the rest of your life. I might add kale. You need kale and, and broccoli and a few other vegetables. And then you're getting a highly nutritious diet. So you can make a diet that is cheap. It will be terribly boring, however, and that's the problem. But actually, a lot of people write to me from middle-class South Africans say actually their cost of the bills went down because they're eating less. And now they cut out all these cheap carbohydrates, which they were overeating anyway. And as a consequence, their bills come down. And that's the other point that people don't, don't, don't appreciate. It is possible to eat a banting diet on 30 rand a day and be very healthy. And, and so that is not expensive. We, the Real Meal Revolution, was written to make eating look sexy. That was the whole basis for it, and look attractive and appealing. And so when you look at the recipes, you think, my gosh, that's fantastic. And I think that, that's why it was written like that. We will, in due course, write a book for where you can band for 30 rand a day because that's what South Africa needs. But it will require that we change our food delivery systems and supply completely and move away from subsidizing cheap carbohydrates to subsidizing animal production and, and dairy and eggs and chicken and so on. That, that's what we need to do to make our nation healthy. All right, uh, we're going to be talking to Tim Noakes throughout the show. Uh, I want to get on to uh, what banting means for everyday South Africans um, because it is, it is tough for, for South Africans who don't have much money to do that. Um, Tim just mentioned a whole bunch of very cheap products that work within the banting space. Um, I put an article up on uh, Twitter, at Yebo underscore Levy. Check it out. It is doing banting cheaply. Some really interesting ideas there as well. Um, on the line now is um, Jessica Byrne. She's a registered dietitian from uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation in South Africa. Um, a slightly different view on this whole banting thing. Uh, Jessica, good morning to you. Morning. Thank you for having me on the show. Now tell me, what does the Heart and Stroke Foundation effectively do? Well, we, we're an NGO and our work is really to, um, to help prevent the, the, the problem of heart disease and stroke in South Africa, um, particularly through educating the public, raising awareness around heart disease and strokes and encouraging um, South Africans to, to adopt healthier lifestyles. Uh, you, you commissioned uh, the Stellenbosch University to do this interesting study and uh, they came back with, with quite a few findings. Were you surprised... Um, from your own, you know, you're a dietitian, a registered dietitian. Were you, were you surprised by the findings? Um, well, yes, it was definitely a, a very interesting study with some interesting results. Um, and and really, what 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 I think came out on on top was that um, with both 
with a low carbohydrate diet compared to a, a balanced diet, um, in both cases, the energy was restricted, and actually the weight loss was found to be very similar um, between both diets. And, and so what it really confirms is that the, the proportion of carbohydrates or fats or proteins that make up your diet um, doesn't really influence weight loss. And, and really what, what it boils down to is the, the, the total energy intake itself. Now, there's, um, there's a lot of discussions. Uh, your CEO, Dr. Vash Mungal Singh, uh, uh, said, based on the current evidence, we cannot recommend a low-carbohydrate diet to the public. The current evidence is clear that there's no difference between balanced and this low-carb, high-fat. But that's not a bad thing, is it? Um, yes. Yeah, so definitely what, what the study showed that up to two years, there wasn't really a difference in, in weight loss. But the, the key here is that we, we don't actually know long-term what effects it will, will have on, on the body and on health. So definitely in terms of weight loss, there seems to be very little difference. But... Um, the other side of the coin is, is health. And, and because the study was only um, looking at, at trials that were up to two years in length, we don't really know what, what long-term effects it, it could have on, on health. Um, and some preliminary studies have suggested you know, an increased risk of, of heart disease with a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, and there are also a number of other considerations um, to, to take into account in terms of health. So for, for a diet to be recommended to the general public, um, it needs to be known to be safe, so not harmful. And, and at this stage, because we don't have, have that information, it's not something that we can really recommend to, to the general public. Last thing before we, we let you go and speak to uh, Professor Tim Noakes is, do you concede the fact that what Professor Tim Noakes has done here is really got South Africans to think about what they're eating? Definitely. I think that, that that's definitely a, a really great positive. Um, you know, we, we definitely have a, a massive problem of obesity and heart disease and strokes in, in South Africa. Um, and, and eating habits have been changing. And I think people haven't really been, been taking stock of, of what they're eating and, and what their lifestyles look like. So it definitely has got the conversation going. Um, people definitely are more concerned about weight and, and the importance of losing weight. Um, and definitely it's also highlighted, um, you know, some of the, the, the unhealthy foods that, that are a big problem in our country. For example, the processed foods, um, too much sugar, and, and, and definitely, you know, eating large portions of food. So, um, yes, we, we definitely welcome the, the conversation that, that, that's been brought about and um, sort of getting nutrition and, and eating again on, on the, the agenda. Right, Jessica Byrne from the Heart and Stroke Foundation of South Africa. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you speaking to us today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. We are talking both sides of the coin here on this banting low-carb, high-fat diet. Uh, we just spoke to the Heart and Diabetes Foundation uh, in South Africa. You can check them out at uh, heartanddiabetes.org.za and you'll find a whole bunch of information there around heart diseases and uh, some, some interesting tips on, on it. Uh, obviously, we've got Professor Tim Noakes. Uh, he's in, he's uh, on the line from Cape Town. Uh, we're talking banting. If you have any questions about banting, 0861-555-189 or join the conversation on Twitter. Lots going on there, at Yebel underscore Levy. Lots of discussions. We put a cool article uh, by uh, this really interesting uh, guy. 
um, who was talking about how dietitians, Gary Watson, dietitians talk a load of, in his words, bullshit. Um, <laughs> that's not our views. That's uh, the views of Gary. Uh, but check it out. It is, it is a really interesting article. Tim, uh, back on the line from Cape Town. You know, you, you hear from, from people like the Heart and Diabetes Foundation, uh, your own dean at uh, UCT uh, has a different opinion to you. Does that get you down a little bit? Tim? Tim, are you there? The gremlins continue on Cliff Central here with the, the telephone. Apologies about that. We'll try to get Tim Noakes back online as soon as possible. Um, discussions around, you know, is it better for South Africans? Tim Noakes talks about the fact that you shouldn't be eating stuff like uh, butternut, uh, beetroot. Now, a lot of South Africans love butternut. I'm one of them. I love butternut and beetroot. And the question is, is it better to eat butternut and beetroot than nothing at all? Tim, um, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I, I missed you, but uh, I think I can answer that question. You know, the point is that if you're insulin resistant, the problem is you can't digest carbohydrates or you can't metabolize carbohydrates at more than a certain amount. And for me, as a diabetic with type 2, type 2 diabetes, I can only cope with 25 grams of carbohydrate a day. And so butternut uh, would be a little bit too much for me. I have to get my carbohydrates from milk and from leafy vegetables. Taking root vegetables, they've just got too much carbohydrate. So a little bit of those veg will put me over my 25 grams a day, will upset my liver. It will cause my glucose to go up, my insulin to, to be increased. It will cause my triglycerides to go up, my HDL to go down, and it will cause fat to be deposited in my liver. Those are all bad things. And it happens for me when I just take a little bit more carbohydrate than I need. And let's that's just, the point people don't really get. Let's just understand this because, Tim, sorry to interrupt you there. Let's just understand this because by carbohydrates, I used to think carbohydrates just meant unprocessed bread, so white bread effectively. But there's a whole bunch more in that carbohydrates uh, category. Just take us through uh, some of the, the, the ones that you wouldn't expect to fall under carbohydrates. Yeah, well, I think the ones you're mentioning, the vegetables. So all vegetables are usually high in carbohydrate, except for the leafy ones uh, and the kale and the broccoli and the cauliflower and asparagus and those sorts of things. Those are low in carbohydrate, high in nutrients and high in fiber so that we promote them and say, you know, you can't get enough of them on your diet. The problem is if you want to go to, to potatoes and fruits and, ve- and those fruits, uh, you just got a high carbohydrate intake, and and it may well be healthy for some people. If you can metabolize carbohydrate, it's absolutely fine. But if you're carbohydrate intolerant, as I am, a healthy fruit becomes very, very unhealthy. And I think that's the point that people don't understand. It's not the food that's the problem; it's the individual. So, how do you, you know to- if you are if you are carbohydrate intolerant, or what, what are the signs? Well, the first thing is you probably have a family history of diabetes, and that, that's a point that one cannot stress enough. If you have a family history of diabetes, your risk of diabetes is something like tenfold greater. And if you continue to eat a high-carbohydrate diet, it's probable you will de- develop diabetes. So the family history. The second is progressive weight gain with age. Now, Craig was a classic example of a guy who's insulin-resistant without understanding it, and he put on his 13 kilograms, which he didn't think was anything wrong with it, but actually... For the 20 or 30 years that he's been putting on those 13 kilograms, every time he's taken excess carbohydrate, 
it's damaged his health, and he didn't understand it. Now, he cuts the carbohydrates, and he feels like a new man. He feels like he was at 20. And you have to ask why, and it's because if you're insulin resistant, the carbohydrates affect your health in a negative way. So progressive weight gain would be the next thing. Then, ultimately, you develop type 2 diabetes. And it's also the resistance to losing weight. He's tried all these diets, and none of them told him the carbohydrate is the issue. You've got to cut the carbs. So if you go to your doctor then and you measure your glycated hemoglobin, or HbA1c, and if that value is above 5.5, then you're marginally insulin resistant and you need to cut the carbs. If it's above 6, you're seriously carb intolerant and you're heading towards diabetes. And that, that is the simplest test that we can really use to stop diabetes in this country because if your value is above 5.5 and you cut your carbs, it's my opinion that you will never, ever develop type 2 diabetes. All right, very quickly, for people that uh, don't have the money or, or haven't uh, seen uh, the Real Revolution uh, book, what are some of the things that they can, they can eat that, uh, that are delicious? Obviously, chocolate's out now. So, so <laughs> what I need, I'm a, I've got a sweet tooth, Tim. Tell me what I can eat that works for me. Because I think that's the worry, isn't it? Like, you, you sit at home and, and you open the fridge and you're like, flip, now what? I have no idea what to eat. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you spoke about the fridge because that's where you should be eating from, not from the... <laughs> not from <laughs> the... open the fridge. I think I wrote somewhere that I open the fridge and I see what's there and then I eat it. So the, the, the key is that you ask the question, you want to eat delicious foods. Well, you, delicious foods are great. If they've got lots of fat and protein, they're very delicious. What we did wrong was to take out the fat of the diet and replace it with sugar. So anytime you see a low-fat food or a low-fat dairy, you must understand that is unhealthy because it's full of sugar. And what we've done is we've addicted the population to sugar. And that is the key driver of the obesity epidemic is we just, we're all addicted to sugar. And you have to understand if you have a health problem, you've got to get rid of the sweetness taste. You've got to get rid of sugar. And you've also got to get rid of sweetness. And it takes a period of time. And it took me probably two years before I completely do not like sweet things anymore. But that's the way you have to go. So we, unfortunately, you either choose. You either choose to be driven by protein and fat, and that will make you thin, or you say, I've got a sweet tooth, and you're driven by carbohydrates, and you will be fat and unhealthy. So it's a lifestyle choice that one has to make. And, oh. and there's a very slippery slope, because as soon as you start taking a little bit of sugar and a little bit of sweetness, you go straight back to the addictive behavior no, and you become fat again. It's totally true. It's totally true. I, I put one sugar in my in my coffee the other day and, and I'm feeling it. I'm like scratching. The monkey is on my back. All right, Tim, we're going to take one or two comments uh, from uh, from Facebook, from Twitter, and also from uh, WeChat. A very interesting comment uh, about uh, um, what I should be eating, and I'll get to that as well. Uh, very quickly, though, we want to speak to Dr. Celeste Nordia. She's on the line from Cape Town as well. It seems like all the foodies are, are in Cape Town at the moment, and uh, she recently posted a, stu- a study on um, on uh, this whole low-carb, high-fat versus balanced diet. Uh, Dr. Nordia, good morning to you. I think the first question that I have is a lot of people speak about this balanced diet. What does a balanced diet mean? Good morning, Andrew, and good morning to the listeners. Um, well, um, Andrew, I think just in a simple sort of description, a balanced diet really is a diet that focuses on quality food choices. It's not a diet that's specifically driven by an emphasis on a specific exclusion of, of, of a certain nutrient or a, you know, a focus on 
for example, fatal protein or carbohydrates, but it really is about making good food choices, which, and we all know that, you know, foods that are available to us are combinations of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And so when we think about health messaging and what people understand, it's important that we talk about food and not about nutrients. Um, and so I think that um, a balanced diet is really a combination of good food choices from all of the different food groups, making sure that you get a variety of foods, because you must remember that foods are not only carriers of carbs, protein, and fat. They're also carriers of essential micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals. And those are components that our bodies need to help us to fight disease, to keep us healthy. And, um, and so it's really about balancing your carbs, protein, and fat, but making sure that you include a variety of good, healthy food. Now, you did the study, and, and a lot of research went into it, a lot of people involved, um, where you looked at 19 studies, 3,200 overweight people in clinical tests. What were some of the findings that uh, that you found interesting? Well, I mean, I think it really boils down to the fact that um, when we look, look at weight, it's really about your energy, your kilojoules, your calories. That's what people you know, relate to when we talk about energy. And so it doesn't really matter what the composition of your diet is. If you are able to reduce your energy intake or your kilojoule or calorie intake, you are able to achieve weight loss. And so that's essentially what we showed, is that when we compared um, balanced diets with low-carbohydrate diets, which were of equal energy, it resulted in a similar weight loss in, in both groups. And so um, I think it's important to understand that it's not so much about whether you're eating carbs, proteins, or fats, but it's about the food choices you're making. Are they loaded with energy? Are they loaded with extra fat, with extra sugar? Um, And these are not the right food choices when we're trying to be healthy and we're trying to manage our weight. All right, now, so you're talking about energy energy in versus energy out. Would you agree that if you were carbohydrate intolerant, in your expert opinion, that then a low-carbs, high-fat diet would be recommended? Well, I don't know, you know, the, the diagnosis of carbohydrate intolerance is not really a, a recognized medical diagnosis. We know that there's a, a diagnosis of what we call insulin resistance, um, and, and that's usually a sort of a pre-diabetic state, and then we have the, the, the diagnosis of, of uh, diabetes mellitus. So, um, you know, those are the people that struggle with carbohydrates because essentially it's a, it's a condition with that, that, that means that you are struggling to metabolize carbohydrates. But a, a state of carbohydrate intolerance, so to say. I mean, intolerance is about a, a physical reaction to food, um, which is um, often either driven by the immune system or driven by um, sort of food poisoning or something where it's a, it's a toxic reaction. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that whole um, idea of carbohydrate intolerance. However, we do know that people that are diabetics or pre-diabetics um, struggle with, with carbohydrates. And so that is one of the mechanisms that us as dietitians use to try to help people to manage their blood sugar levels. And so we do control the, the carbohydrate intake or help them to make good choices. Um, but it's not about, you know, removing carbohydrates from the diet or completely and being extreme about it. Where do you think Professor Tim Noakes has got it right? Well, I think the point where we agree is that ultra-processed foods or highly refined foods are not the way to go. Uh, I think what we must understand is that when we look through history, the time when the obesity epidemic really kicked in was also the time when ultra-processed products took off. And these products are aggressively marketed by food companies around the world. They are hyper-palatable. They are able to stay on the shelf for ages. They're not actually made from real food substances. They're made from 
from extracted substances, from, for example, wheat and um, um, fat products, etc., and oils and that sort of thing, and they bunch together to make a new food product. And then those are the things, those are the foods that are problematic. I think we agree on that. Um, and I also want to point out the fact that when we talk about ultra-processed products, they are not only laden with sugar, they are also laden with unhealthy types of fat. And so it's a combination of, of uh, unhealthy sugar and fat packaged in these foods, um, which are actually, I think, contributing hugely to our intake of excessive amounts of energy and the waste problem as well as the disease that comes with that. Dr. Celeste Nordia, thank you so much for coming in from Cape Town. Um, she is at the, the, it's a long title actually, CEH. Just give it to me again. Where, where are you from, Dr. Celeste Nordia? I'm from the Centre for Evidence-Based Healthcare. There you go. I knew I I was missing one letter there. But thank you so much for joining us, talking a little bit about banting. If you have uh, just joined us on the show, cliffcentral.com, it's Friday morning, beautiful uh, morning in South Africa with uh, Andrew Levy. We're talking a little bit about diets. We're talking a little bit about banting. Uh, We want to hear from you. There's been lots of comments going through uh, about all of this. Uh, Someone came on WeChat a little while ago and uh Professor, I hope you can hear me now, uh, but ask this really interesting question. It was from my own, and she said, uh, I need to lose weight, and I'm also in a wheelchair. How do I lose weight while sitting in a wheelchair? All right, Tim uh, seems to not be able to, he- to hear me there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and repeat it to him because I think it is quite an important question. Uh, a lot of people do want to lose weight and are in different circumstances. Uh, my own, thank you so much for, for sending that through on WeChat. Plenty more to come in terms of those comments. Uh, Tim, perhaps you can hear me now? No, I believe it's still uh, the Cape Town Gremlins on uh, on board here. We will try and get him uh, up and running as well. Uh, we've been speaking about this whole idea of dieting. Uh, what are your thoughts? What is the best way to diet? Have you ever been on one? Have you tried this uh, banting style? Um, it is quite interesting. Uh, I have actually been on it myself. I did worry that there was too much fat. Um, I think the moment that Tim asked me to put butter in my coffee, I knew there was a problem. Um, but uh, Tim, are you there now? Yes, indeed, Andrew. Brilliant, brilliant. So I, I will talk about my own experiences, but my own uh, did ask a question on WeChat here saying she's in a wheelchair and uh, I hope she's a she. she. She needs to lose weight. How does she lose weight while sitting in a wheelchair? You've been uh, not only this amazing person on nutrition, but of course you're, you're the sports science expert. Tell me a little bit about people that are in, in disabled positions. Yeah. What's the best way for them to lose yeah, weight? I, I get a lot of letters from people in exactly that position and they've never been able to control their hunger, which is the key. You've got to control hunger. And if you're eating a high-carbohydrate, highly processed, addictive foods, you can never control your hunger. You take those foods out, you place them with fat and protein, and your hunger disappears. And she will be able to lo- he or she will be able to lose weight on this diet if they follow all the rules. So that's the key. And the key is cutting the carbohydrates because it's the carbohydrates which are driving the hunger. And that's the point that Celeste still won't acknowledge. That, that, and the reason why Craig who spoke first, why did he lose weight? He could never lose it on another diet. He said, I suddenly lost my hunger, and I understand why it works. So if you are hungry all the time, you cannot cut your calories for any length of time, and it's unsustainable. All right. And as I've indicated, exercise is not the key. Exercise is great for being healthy. But if you want to lose weight, you have to cut the calories, and the only way to do it is to get rid of hunger. And you've got to find a diet that will cut your hunger. And for many people, it's a diet which has more protein and more fat in it. And 
minimal carbohydrates. Professor Tim Noakes, it has been fascinating to discuss this with you for over an hour. Thank you so much uh, for calling in. Just very quickly, uh, give us a website where we can find out more information on Banting. OriginalEating.org is one that we fund, and the, the NoakesFoundation.org is where we're trying to raise funds to do research on healthy nutrition. And my goal is to raise enough money to put a big chunk of money every year into research of healthy eating. Fantastic. And it will be unbiased support. And then we will get the answers Love it. to what we need to do. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, listen, good luck uh, to, uh, to you in the future. Uh, you can uh, see myhealthyeating.org. That's where you can go to find out all sorts of information on, um, on Tim Noakes and the Banting Diet. It's been fascinating. If you did miss it and you want to see it, check it out on cliffcentral.com uh, for the entire uh, podcast around what was good to eat, what wasn't good to eat. I'm still a little bit confused, to be honest, uh, but hopefully it has helped. And check out at Yebo underscore Levy for all sorts of interesting articles, as well as some tips for some good food uh, for your weekend. Have yourself a fantastic Friday. Lots to come. Sexy Spider and Jaunty are up next.